Okay, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message. Before we kind of get started, I want to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of where we're going um, so you know a little bit. Sometimes um, I, I'm able to do that, sometimes not, but we're going to be re- uh, finishing up our resharpening series over the next couple of weeks. Last week we had a special Mother's Day time together and, and, and message. So we have a couple more weeks of resharpening and then we're going to be starting a new series uh, in, uh, two weeks from today. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. But I kind of want to give you an idea uh, so you guys knew what was coming up. Like I said, normally we, I don't have messages specifically for days um, that, that kind of come up on the calendar. But I felt like last week was a special um, message that got laid on my heart. To, to share with you, so we want to make sure that we did that. So we took a little bit of a break from resharpening, um, but we're going to go ahead and continue that over the next couple weeks before we move on. So looking forward to being able to share those things with you. As, as we've been talking about, resharpening the series has really been about this concept of taking things in our lives, specific areas of our lives that I believe God wants to help us to, to look at again. Uh, anytime we use those areas, anytime we have those situations, obviously they're going to eventually get dull the more we use them, and God wants to keep those things sharpened. We looked at Ecclesiastes 10.10. That's been kind of our verse. We're going to go over it again really quickly, and this is what it says. It says, A dull axe requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. And what we're looking at here is when the axe in our life is sharp, we're more effective. When the axe head gets dull, we get less done with twice the effort. And so in this, God is wanting to help us to look at some areas of our life to be more effective for him, to be more effective in what we're doing and how we're, we're living for him and the things that we're experiencing because God wants us to be to be fruitful for him. He wants us to be effective for him. And it's great when he can take these areas of our life and sharpen them so that we can do that. So we're going to be talking about something, uh, another area of our lives this morning. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you and thank you. God, we thank you so much for this time, this opportunity to come together and, and look at these things and learn from, from you what you desire to, to show us in our lives. Father, I pray that this area, the, these things that you're going to place on our hearts, God, I believe that your Holy Spirit has, has, has had this moment and this time for this message. And so we trust that, we know that, and we know that you have great things in store for us. So we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, it's kind of interesting because about two years ago, obviously here we are at the end of, of May, or kind of the middle of May, and things are starting to happen that are pretty typical for May. Uh, we obviously already had Mother's Day. It seemed like Mother's Day was a little early this year, but maybe not. But we already had Mother's Day, and so now we're moving in from Mother's Day into graduation time and season, and and hopefully, you know, maybe you know this year I know there's going to be some still some changes. Hopefully, maybe next year kind of things will be back to normal for graduations and all those sort of things. But but two years ago, I, I went to a graduation of sorts for my son. He was in kindergarten, and so we had a little kindergarten kindergarten. They didn't even call it a graduation. They kind of had a little ceremony. And, and so all the kids kind of came in his school and the kids walked in and it was really neat and a bunch of parents all over the place. And the kids came up and they sang a song and said some things and, and all these sort of things. But one of the things that they did that I thought was kind of neat because it kind of gave it an opportunity for all the kids to share is they asked the kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
That's a great question. I, I've always enjoyed asking kids that question because you just never know the, the answers that you're going to get. And so basically the kids all had the microphone and, and they kind of said, I want to be this and I want to be that. And it's, it's really interesting to hear kindergartners tell you what they want to be because they're not, they're not like four anymore. They're not three, you know, where it's like you ask sometimes a three-year-old or a four-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, I want to be a butterfly. I want to be this. I want to be a dragon. I want, you know, but these kids actually understood a little bit more. So we didn't have any butterflies or anything like that mentioned. So we had some interesting things named and it was kind of great to listen and all those things. But the great thing about it is in that moment, there was excitement, there was, a, there, was, there was hope, there was this idea. It didn't matter who these kids' parents were. It didn't matter where they came from. All that mattered in that moment was them saying, this is what I want my life to look like. This in this small area, what I want to be when I grow up, this is the dream, this is the vision that I have for my life. And you know what's interesting? None of them said anything bad. They all said great things and great ideas. You know, there was little girls that said, I want to be, I want to be moms. And, 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 and girls that said, I want to be doctors. And there were boys that I want to be an architect. And I want to be a zookeeper. And all these great things. But, you know, all of them had these dreams. All of them had these visions that they could see. This is what I can see my life being. And it's exciting. But the thing is, and this is what kind of came to me in that moment, was unfortunately, these kids are going to grow up. And you see, something happens when we grow up. Things don't always happen the way we plan. Things don't always take place the way we think that they should. And so we may have this dream or, or vision of our lives that, you know what, we're going we're gonna to meet that special somebody. Maybe we're going to meet them in high school or maybe in college or maybe on the job or whatever. And we're going to see that person and angels are going to sing and birds are going to come out and rainbows are going to come out. I mean, it's just going to be this magical moment and we're going to fall in love and we're going to get married and we're just going to live happily ever after. And then things just don't seem to go to plan. Maybe there's a medical diagnosis. Maybe there's marital issues, and we see that dream and that vision for our life slowly crumbling away. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's we grew up, at, like I did, watching uh, reruns of, of I Love Lucy and Leave it to Beaver and the Andy Griffith show, and, and even, even when I was a kid, you know, watching, you know, the, the Cosby show and all these families that just, you know, oh, they'd have a problem, sure, you know, but in 25 minutes, somehow it would all get worked out. And we had this idea and this thought that, oh, my family's going to be so close and we're going to be so happy and, and you know, Christmases are going to be so special and Thanksgivings and, and it's just going to be, and you have these, these dreams and these visions of what your family is going to look like. And then, then some bad things happen and things are said that should have been said or communicated that should have been communicated and, and families begin to be kind of torn apart. And instead of that dream of kind of that, I think you understand what I mean when I say this, that leave it to beaver type of family unit, instead it's, it's broken and it's shattered. Maybe you had dreams of financial security and, and that, that, that the things that, you know, that God was going to just, well, I was going to, everything I touch is going to turn to gold and it's just going to be perfect. And instead you kind of live paycheck to paycheck, just fighting to try to get by. Maybe you had dreams of, of children. 
and you had that, that really tough moment where you found out that for whatever reason that was not going to be possible naturally. You know, we, we all have these dreams. We all have these visions for our life. We all have these things. And this morning, what we're going to look at, what we're going to talk about is this idea of resharpening your vision. Resharpening your vision. The verse that we're going to look at is kind of our theme verse for today. Is, and we're going to be in Genesis this morning looking at something. But, but in Genesis 42, the first part of 9, verse 9, and this is what it says. It says, and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. You see, we're going to talk about a man that, that, that is really synonymous with dreams, with, with visions, with this understanding. And, and I know it's a man that we've, we've, we've talked about before. And I know it's a man that many of us know about before or, or looked at before. But we're going to look at a man named Joseph. But we're hopefully going to look at him in a slightly different way. Because we obviously, hopefully, and if we don't, we'll see how it ends. We know how the story ends this morning. But there's kind of a different idea that I want us to look at in this concept. Because again, we may know it, but I think there's something God wants to pull out in here that we can see that we maybe haven't seen before. And that idea comes from this idea of remembering the dreams. Remembering the dreams. But again, the problem is, is we all have those moments. We all have those times where as children or even young adults, we begin to dream and begin to think about all the things that, that we're going to do in our life and all the, the, the visions that we have. And all, it's all going to look this way and it's all going to look that way. But the thing is, in life, sometimes those dreams and those visions don't come about in the way that we think they should, in the time that we think they should. And instead of these dreams and these visions that we have for our lives coming and taking place the way we want, they're broken and they're shattered and they're destroyed. So really this morning, what I want to talk about is this. What do you do when you feel like your dreams have been shattered? What do you do when you feel like you've got... And here's the thing. Maybe I'll wait on that. But, but this concept is, is very exciting because it's, it's, we all have these dreams. We all have these things. We all have these, these moments that we're thinking about. But then something takes place and it crushes them. What do we do then? Because here's the thing. I'm going to be pro pretty honest with you. I've had my dream shattered. I've had my thoughts shattered. I've, I've had these things. Okay, God, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And God says, I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm not going to do it your way. And I'm broken, and I'm shattered, and I'm sitting there, like, just on the floor with these dreams and these visions I had for my life going, God, why? God, how? What are you? Why did you do this to me? And God has some lessons for us to learn about our dreams about our visions, and it starts, unfortunately, at times. Listen, it's easy when they just go just the way we think. It's much more difficult when there's a shattering and there's a breaking. We need to understand that, too. So we're going to start in Genesis 37. Now, before we get to Genesis 37, I want to kind of lay the groundwork for where we're at. There's this guy, and his name is Joseph. He's one of, of Jacob's 12 sons, and, and God begins to birth some dreams in his heart. He begins to show him some dreams. And, 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 and just like all of us would normally do that, when God begins to birth some dreams in us, typically we want people to know. 
We, we're, we get excited. We start to share, hey, hey, this is what God's speaking to me. This is what God is showing me. This is what God is bringing into my life. And that's great and that's awesome. Now, now in the story, Joseph doesn't necessarily handle it the best way. But he's still excited. And so he goes to his family and he goes to his brothers. And instead of them enjoying this, instead of them getting excited about it, and partly because of some of what the dream was about, they get angry and they get jealous and they get mad at him. Unfortunately, you have to understand this. Unfortunately, when God births something in you and God begins to put dreams and visions into your heart, you're going to find that there are going to be some people that aren't going to be real encouraging in that, unfortunately. You would think that his brothers and his, even his mom and dad would have been like, yeah, this is great. What can we do to help you accomplish what God has placed in your heart? But instead, they don't. And that's a part of the problem sometimes. It makes it harder but Joseph kind of held on to those dreams, which is great. And basically, that's kind of where we pick up in our story. We're going to look at several verses here in Genesis so that we understand a little bit more about uh, Joseph's mindset and what he was going through in these times. So let's look at Genesis 37. We're going to start with verse number 18. We're going to read 12, 10 verses or so, so stay with me. But here's what it says. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. The dreams had caused his brothers, and again, another issue with a, with a father and a coat, you know. They are so angry, they want to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten, eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, the, the brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him, threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat... They looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'll have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our own brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to, for 40, or excuse me, sold, them, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on these dreams that Joseph had, but just to give you a basic idea, basically God was calling Joseph into a place of, of leadership and a place of, of authority and things of that nature. So I want you to think about this for a moment. I know we've heard this story before, but just imagine it in the context of the dreams that Joseph's had. Joseph's had these dreams that God has given him, which communicate something, a place of authority and a place of, of leadership. And in this moment, very, very quickly, in one day, basically one afternoon joseph is taken by his own family his own brothers thankfully isn't killed but is sold into slavery so he's gone from basically being a leader of people with authority over them to someone who is a slave you want to talk about being in a pit and being in a moment where your dreams have been shattered can you imagine what joseph must have been thinking 
And remember, guys, we have to sometimes take the marble away from the man and really begin to understand what must have been going through Joseph's heart and his mind. He's probably sitting there in that pit going, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, you had a dream for me. The dream didn't have slavery involved in this. My own brothers are selling me to get rid of me. I mean, look, I don't know if you have problems with your siblings, but I don't think any of us have been, been thrown in a pit and sold. And that's what Joseph finds himself in. His dreams in that quick moment are just blown away. Remember, he doesn't know the end of the story. All he knows is the moment that he's in right now. So let's continue this story. Let's jump to Genesis 39. In Genesis 20, not 39, we can continue with Joseph's story. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian official. Officer, excuse me. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So in this understanding, Joseph has not just been sold one time. He's been sold twice. Okay? Joseph has been sold twice. So the Lord, but this is interesting. Look at verse 2. Right after we see Joseph being sold by his brothers into slavery, and just before we, just after we see Joseph being sold to Potiphar, look at verse number 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, isn't that a wonderful verse? Isn't that a wonderful understanding? But listen, I don't know if Joseph felt Jesus or God at that moment. Do you? I don't know if Joseph, I'm just going to be honest with you, maybe we're wrong. We'll talk to Joseph in heaven and Joseph will say, no, I did it this way. But I got a feeling Joseph was not sitting there as he was being sold to Ishmaelite traders and then sold to Potiphar. I don't think he was walking around like this going, oh, I'm so glad that God is with me. I'm sure he was sitting there going, wait a minute. What's going on? What's happening here? But we see here that God is with him. And so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs were in smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Okay. Now, let's, let's stop here for a second. Okay, what are we seeing here? Well, well Joseph has kind of got a little bit of a leadership position. Yeah, he's still a slave, but, but God's with him. Okay, everything seems to be kind of, maybe God's got this. You ever had one of those things where, where it's like you have those dreams and they're just shattered, and then all of a sudden you kind of start to see like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait just a second. Maybe, maybe we're starting to see, maybe now's the time. Maybe we're starting to see some great things take place. Maybe God's got this after all. And we start to get that, that hope up again. And we start to get excited. Well, I don't know how God's going to work this out. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see this, this thing take place. And then something else happens. 
It happens to Joseph, and sometimes it happens to us. We sometimes have this idea, you know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, I, I know we've all experienced this, where it seems like you take one step forward and then you take two steps back. That happens to Joseph in his life. Let's continue with the story. Let's continue with Genesis 39. So now he's with Potiphar. Everything's going well. Everything's going great in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's a slave, but hey, we're, we're, we're seeing some things. But this is what it says. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. She didn't ask, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be such a great sin against God. Now listen, we really see a little bit about Joseph's character here. Can we be honest with ourselves for just a moment, okay? And, and I'll be honest with myself too. I don't know about you, but, but when God tends to, maybe you're different than I am, but when God tends to do things in ways that I don't understand or in timing that I won't understand, I tend to get a little bit, I'll use this word, testy with God. I don't know if you do this. And when I mean testy, I kind of have this meaning like, like, like I get a little upset with God. I don't, I don't understand God. And there's been times in my life where I've kind of had this attitude, you know, it's almost like, well, God, you know what? Since you're not doing it my way, I don't want to do it your way. Kind of shows a little bit about my character. And Joseph doesn't do that. How easy would it have been for Joseph to say, you know what, I'm in Egypt. You know what, mom and dad are a long way away. No one's ever going to know. And you know what, doesn't really matter anyway because God didn't do it my way. So you know what, I'm going to take advantage of the situation. I'm going to do what I want to do. Because God didn't bring my dream the way I thought he should. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph instead refuses this situation. He says, absolutely not. And he doesn't just do it. This is interesting. He doesn't just do it because of the position that he's in. Like most of us could go, you know, this probably isn't a really good idea sleeping with the boss's wife. And he does mention that. But he takes it one step further and he says, I'm not going to sin against Potiphar and I'm not going to sin against God. In your dreams, when things are happening like that, you got to understand God is still there. Don't, don't make a situation that you don't understand worse because your sin comes out and because you say, you know what, God, and you kind of just say, whatever. Joseph didn't do that. And you would think, oh, good, this is great. So we're going to see the story turn, and this is going to be wonderful. Well, let's keep reading Genesis 39.10. So Joseph has flat out refused him, but she continues. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. She's trying to wear him down, but he keeps at it. He keeps his integrity, and he keeps, and he keeps out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, when no one else was around, he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand, as he ran from the house. Oh, wait a minute. This, this isn't getting better. This, 
This was the moment, you know, where it's like, okay, he's been sold into slavery by his brothers and Potiphar. Okay, this is where God says, that's my boy. You did good, kid. Way to go. Now, here you are. He does it all right. He runs away. Day after day, he's basically asked, come on, come on, come on. Nobody will know. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to say anything. Over and over. And finally, she grabs a hold of him, and he just runs out. He's like, I'm gone. But he leaves his cloak in her hand. So let's jump on. Genesis 39, starting with verse 16. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. Her story. This is kind of off topic, but can you just hear me for a second? Okay, I know it's a little bit, but just hear me. There is always her story and his story. Or his. Can we be honest with each other? We need to understand that we need to, if we're going to have good relationships with people, that we need to hear both sides of the story. So her story. This Hebrew slave that you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran. Outside, leaving his cloak with me, Potiphar was furious when he heard, once again, his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. This is a different type of prison. This is maximum security. This is, this is the enemies of the state. Okay, this is, this is a big deal. This isn't a country club. Okay, this is a serious prison. And there he remained. Okay, now let's stop here for a second, because we sometimes have to understand a little bit how prison systems worked back in the Egypt's time. You, he, he, basically, Joseph is a slave. So he's not going to have a trial, and he's not going to have a sentencing. He's not, he is, unfortunately, at this time, owned by Potiphar. So basically, he gets out of prison when Potiphar says so. If not, he's there till he's dead. Okay? I want you to understand the context of where Joseph is, is dealing with. Okay? We look at this, and again, we know the story, a lot of us, and so, oh, okay, well, this, blah, blah, blah. He's there, as far as he knows, until he's dead. He's put there, and there he remains. But the Lord, again, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison, and I love this, and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Sound familiar? The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. Things, things may have been getting better. Things were okay. Things, Potiphar's, you know, we're, we're making this work. God, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And now, because of a lie, because of something, he did the right thing. And he's thrown in prison. And to an extent, the key has been thrown away. And he has no hope. There is no light at the end of the tunnel now. In his earthly understanding, he is there until he dies. Even though the Lord's with him. Even though we start to see some things happen, you know, I mean, it's great. Okay, God, great. It's awesome. I'm in charge of a prison. I don't think that's what the dream was meaning. And he's there, and he's stuck. He's stuck with, in a lot of ways, no hope. His dream has been shattered. His dream has been 
destroyed. This is in your notes, and, and we need to catch this. How you respond when in your life it feels like your dreams have been shattered will determine your destiny. You see, anybody, hear me here, anybody can experience the destiny that God has for them when God reveals the dream and the plan and the purpose exactly the way you think it should be done. But here's the problem with that. I don't know if I have ever met anyone in my life, maybe they're out there, where everything they thought happened, that they saw God doing to get them to their destiny happened exactly the way they thought it would. There is going to come a time when as God is revealing these things to you and bringing you to these places in your life that God is going to do it in a way that you don't understand. How you respond is important. You see, with Potiphar's wife, he could have said, you know what, God, you've left me, you're not doing it my way, I'm going to do it my way now. I'll make this happen. But he didn't. He didn't. And even though he did the right thing, he ends up in prison. Well, obviously in prison now, we, we, we see some, some, some things begin to take place. And, and let, me, let me help you with this. When Joseph is, basically, when he's having these dreams, Joseph is 17 years old. Okay? He is now in prison and has been there for a while, and he is now 30 years old. So it has been 13 years since the, the dream and the vision has been shared. And, and, and to make kind of a long story short, there's some people that, that they, are put into prison and they have some dreams. And God gives Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. And, and one of them ends up dying. One of them goes back into the service of Pharaoh. And then there's even longer time. And Joseph says, hey, listen, dude, listen, remember me. I'm in prison. If something comes up, you know, you might want to tell Pharaoh about me because I'd really not like to be here for my whole life. And there's more time that goes on. Well, eventually, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's confusing. And he calls all his, his magicians and all his people, the wise men, to come and try. No one can interpret the dream. Well, eventually, this cupbearer has a light bulb moment. And goes, hey, you know, there was this guy in prison. And he basically tells Pharaoh the story about how he was able to interpret his dream and that it came true. And, and, and so that's kind of where we're at. That's where we're going to pick up the story again Joseph, uh, in Genesis 41. Genesis 41, 14, it says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16. This is Joseph's response, which again, we're really seeing Joseph's character here and the type of man that he is. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Think about that for a second. Joseph in this moment, he is literally, literally standing in front of one of, if not the most powerful men on the planet. And you would think in this moment it would be, look at me, get me out of here, I'll help, help, help. He doesn't do that. He says, no, Pharaoh, I can't do it. I can't. I, I don't have the ability. But he instead says, but God does. God does. 
You see, sometimes, hear me here, when our dreams are shattered, when we're going through some hard moments and, and all these things, you know what we tend to do? We tend to think, you know what, God really needs my help. God, you must be a little too busy with some other things. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, so I understand that. So God, what I'll do is I will give you a hand and I will make sure that this dream takes place. Because obviously, God, you want this to happen. So I'll, I'll give you a hand. The problem with that is this. When we do that, we tend to take the spotlight and we tend to shine it on us and what we can do and what we can bring about instead of trusting and knowing that God can do it better than we can. Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph doesn't go, well, Pharaoh, I'm your man. Good thing you called me. A little bit late. Hey, thanks for giving me a ring. I'm here to help you out, buddy boy. He doesn't. He instead focuses it on God, on God's ability to do this. Well, Joseph interprets the dream. Again, long story short, he basically tells Pharaoh, listen, there's going to be seven years of really, really good bumper crops, basically. And, and, and everything's going to be great. He said, but listen, you need to store it, them up because, because after those seven years, there's going to be a famine like you have never seen. And if you don't prepare, we're going to have some serious, serious issues. Lots of people are going to die. So you need to take those first seven and begin to, to store away and save so there's enough food for the people. And he interprets this dream. And then we pick up the story with Genesis 41. After he's interpreted the dream, this is what it says. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, listen, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Can, can, can I stop here for just a second? You know, a dream that I have for every individual in this place, for myself as well, that when people see you, when people interact with you, when people see your heart and the way you love and the way you serve and the wisdom that you have, none of those things because of you, but because of what God has done, I pray and my dream and my vision for all of us is that people will look at us and say, can, there, can we find anybody like this who is so obviously filled with God's spirit? What an amazing thing to be said about you and me. What an amazing thing to be said about Joseph. This man who, who in, in their, their religion and their understanding is, quote unquote, a God, little g. And he acknowledges, no, 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 no. There is no one like this person who is so obviously filled with God's spirit. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, verse 39, since God, isn't that beautiful? Pharaoh understands it's not Joseph. It's God. Since God has revealed the, the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Now listen, and please hear my heart on this. You may go, oh, I, 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 saw, I saw the musical. I, I, I saw the, 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 the cartoon. I, I've known this story. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Yes, I know that. I, I, I have too. 
but do you understand what has just taken place and how unbelievable this is? This is the most powerful nation on the planet. And Joseph, in a moment, is basically put number two. I, I was thinking as I put this together, I was like, oh, he kind of like became the vice president. And that's a horrible analogy because it's nothing like the vice president. This is not a democracy or a republic. This is a dictatorship. Pharaoh is it. He is the man. There's no courts. There's no senate. There's no art. It's, Pharaoh says it. It's done. And Joseph becomes number two in a moment. And in that moment, God does what only God can do. Listen, hear my heart on this. You don't want to accomplish your dreams on your own. Because what you can accomplish on your own, what I can accomplish on my own, is so short of what God wants your life to be. And what God wants to do in you and through you. So with all that understanding, with all that story, we're going to look at the last thing, what we all need to remember about our dreams. We're going we're to look at the story again and kind of dive into it a little bit, but I want to look at five things, kind of some application, some deeper understanding that we can learn from this story. And the first one, it seems very easy, but it's so hard sometimes to remember, and it's quite simple. God will never leave us. God will never leave you. No matter where your dreams are, no matter how they're shattered or destroyed or even being fulfilled, God is never going to leave you. Listen, I know there's times where we feel hopelessness. I know there's times where we feel like we just can't get it figured out. We just can't get it get taken care of. And it does. It feels like God is a million miles away. We feel like we pray and we say, God, will you please help me in this? God, will you please do something here? We feel those things all the time. And we feel like, God, you don't even hear me. God, you don't even care. Hear me here. God will never leave you. It doesn't matter how many pieces your dream or your life is. It doesn't matter if it's in tiny, tiny little fragments. It doesn't matter. God is still there. You know what's amazing about this story? Hear me. God was there when he was thrown into that pit. God was there when the silver changed hands. God was there when he was sold into Potiphar's house. God was there when he rejected the advances of Potiphar's wife. God was there when he was in the prison. And God was there when he was in the palace. God never left him and God will never leave you. And I know that's hard sometimes. Because I know how you feel and I know how I feel. But sometimes we have to take our feelings and put them aside and realize what God's word says and what God promises us. And God promises he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I love your feelings. God gave us emotions. But truly, hear me here. Sometimes you need to take those things and say, you know what? I know I feel this way. I know I'm going through this. But I know my God cannot lie, will not lie. And he's with me, even though at this moment, it's hard to feel his closeness. He's still there. He will never leave you. In some of the darkest moments of my life, can I just be honest? I believed the lie that he left me. In the moments where I felt the least amount of hope were the moments where I just felt like God was a million miles away. 
And the truth is, God was right there. God was right there. Listen, do not misunderstand God's presence with the fact that God may not do the things you want him to do the way you want him to do it in the timing that you want him to do it. The two, the, the things don't mash, okay? They don't go together. They can't, you know, God's going to do things in his own way, in his own timing. And trust me on this, thank God he does. But even when he does it in ways we don't understand, that doesn't mean he's left. In a lot of ways, he comes even closer. Number two, second thing we need to remember. These are not really our dreams. They're God's. You realize that? I love the verse that basically has this concept that God forms us in our mother's womb. You know that verse? We hear it a lot, don't we? And you know what we typically think of in that context, in that understanding? Oh, this is great. Uh, when I was in mom's tummy, God made my fingers and God made my, my skin and my hair and chose brown eyes or blue eyes. Well, yeah, I think that's true to an extent. God did form us. But there is a deeper understanding of what God was doing and what God wants us to understand in that moment. God was not just forming us physically. He was forming us mentally. He was putting dreams in our heart, visions in our life. He was putting purpose into us, things, talents, abilities, all these things God was forming and making and doing in you and in me. These dreams that you have, these dreams are not your dreams. They're God's dreams for you. They're God's purposes for you. They're God's vision for your life. And here's what's great about that. If they're God's dreams and God's visions, if we will acquiesce to God, if we'll surrender our lives to God, guess what will happen? The dreams will come because the dream giver gave them. We get to go to him. And say, listen, God, you gave me this. You put this vision or this ministry or this, this thing in my heart. So you bring it about. Yeah, God, I'll be a part. I'll do what you want me to do. But you gave the dream. You will bring forth the dream. Listen, this would have never happened to Joseph without God. There's no way. I'm sorry. Think about the probability of this. Think about it today. There's a guy in some rotten prison someplace. And all of a sudden, it's out of the, the weirdest portions or, or weirdest types of situations. All of a sudden, he becomes the second in command of an entire nation that is literally, basically ruling the world. Come on. Oh, yeah, that, that just happened. That was just, you know, whoops. If you believe that, trust me, I got some really, really nice oceanfront property here in Colorado I'd like to talk to you about. You'll get that later. God did it. Why? Because God gave the dream. God placed these things in your heart. God put these talents, these, these, these visions. God will bring it about. God will take care of it. You don't have to give up. You can know and trust that God has got it. Number three, this is a good one. God has the power to take the broken pieces of your dreams and within seconds reassemble them and launch you into your destiny. Think about our story, okay? Think about our story. Let's, let's rewind a little bit 
And let's start again at, let's say, let's say 6 a.m., the day of the really cool miracle. Where is Joseph? What's he doing? He wakes up. Where? On the prison dirt floor. Maybe there's a little rat that runs across his leg. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying here? You know, a little, it's Egypt. Maybe a scorpion or something comes by and he's, ah, and he kind of, you know, that's where he wakes up. That's where his day begins. By the afternoon, by the afternoon, he's second in command of Egypt. Listen. God doesn't need 10 years. Now listen, sometimes God in the preparation and in his plan, there is 10 years. But here's the great thing. When God says it's time, it's time, it's done, and we can take it to the bank. Think about Joseph. Can you imagine? Seriously, can you imagine? He goes to bed that night. Now he's sleeping on the finest bed with the finest linens, with, with, with beauty and gold and everything all around him. Can you imagine as he's staring at the ceiling, his eyes wide open going, what in the world just happened? Come on. It took a minute. It took... That's awesome, folks. Listen, you know, you talk about this idea of light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You know what's great about God? You know, that, 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 that vision that we have, that light. Okay, we're, we're here on the train tracks and way, 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 way out there. I see a little light. There it is. And you know what? And that's great. That's fine. But you know how quickly God can bring that light to be a spotlight in your face? Seconds. Seconds. God can take the pieces of a dream and put them back together so fast and so well and so quickly. We should never not have hope. We should never not believe that God at any moment could intervene and do what he's promised. It took a second. It took a moment. Number four. These kind of go, three, 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 three four, and five kind of go together a little bit. But number four, if you are still breathing... Your story is not over. If you are still breathing, your story is not over. You say, Aaron, I've had this dream since I was eight years old and now I'm 80. It doesn't matter. God can do it. God can bring it about. If God placed the dream, if God placed the vision, it doesn't matter when God can do it. If you're still breathing, the story isn't over. I'm sure Joseph must have sat there in that prison and gone, it's over, it's done. I'll never see the light of day again. I'll never be free again. My dreams will never happen. But here's the thing. Joseph was still breathing. Joseph was still breathing. And so for every individual in this room, every person online that's still breathing, listen, hear me here. I want to encourage you. Your story isn't over. It's not done. There is still things that can come. God can still work. And God is still working in your life. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before John was, was leading worship and he shared just a, a great word about this idea and this concept that even though at times we don't see that he's working, even though sometimes we don't see what God is doing, God is still working in your heart. God is still working in your life. He hasn't forgotten you and the dreams that he's placed inside of you. He can still do it. If you're breathing, it's not over. And number five, the final one, and I think this is for all of us, 
It's time to start dreaming again. It's time to start dreaming again. If the worship team wants to come up, we're going to close. And I want to share a little bit of my story with you as we close. And I, and I do this because I want you to understand that we're all in the same boat. Unfortunately, um, there are people that <clears throat> sometimes think that, oh, well, you're a pastor. You, you, your dreams were to be a pastor. And so, look, you, you, look at you. Look what God did. And, and the bottom line is, is, is there are still dreams in my heart and in my life that God hasn't brought forth yet. There are dreams that he has, but I will tell you this, it did not go the way I had planned. I'm a planner. I have it all, you know, I'm going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And I think sometimes God, when I do that, God just kind of chuckles, you know. He kind of, oh, he's, uh, bless his heart. But there are dreams in my life and, and, and things that, that happen to me that that quite honestly caused me to stop dreaming. Why? Because the dreams didn't happen the way I wanted them to. So obviously God doesn't love me, or God didn't care about me, or God didn't do it the way I thought. So you know what? I'm not going to dream anymore because I didn't want to be hurt. You see, I misunderstood how dreams from God work. I, I made them my dreams. I made them about my plan. And instead, I should have done some of the things that we talked about this morning. And I remember very clearly, we were in Albuquerque. It was an evening, and I was just angry. I can't really say it any other way. I was just mad. I was, I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. I was mad at the house. I was mad at the dogs. I was just mad because it wasn't going the way it was supposed to go. It was like I was sitting there, I was going, God, can you just get with my program, please? As silly as that sounds to say out loud, that's what I was doing. And my wife, who loves me enough to pat me on the back when I need it, but also kick me in the rear end when I need it, said, Aaron, you, you don't have any dreams. Your dreams have been shattered. You need to start dreaming again. And you know what? I, I would love to tell you, oh, I was just such a great husband. Oh, I was just like, oh, the wisdom of my wife. And, and it was just beautiful. And, and no, I was angry at her. I, 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 I look, dreams have nothing to do with this. What? Well, this is, so, no, no, no. She was so right on. And from that moment on, listen, it hasn't been overnight. It hasn't been just snap my fingers. And, uh, and it wasn't also that God did all of a sudden said, oh man, I forgot I should be doing things the way Aaron wants me to do them. But in that moment, I began to dream again. In that moment, I began to think, you know what? These things that God placed in me, they're not Aaron's dreams, they're God's dreams. I stopped worrying about how and instead, I just trusted who could do them. You get what I'm saying here? And in a moment, and I'm not going to get into the details, but just trust me, the timing and the moment, it was so God. I, 
There was just, there was, I mean, there was no other explanation. And God did what he promised he'd do in a moment. Out of nowhere. It came suddenly and it was awesome. And listen, I'm not special. For those that are online, I, I'm not special. God did it for me and he will do it for every single one of you. Now, do I know when? No, but I do know this. It'll come when the time is right and we trust the timing of God as well as the dreams that God has given us. So can we just talk? For those that are online as well, can we just, let's just close our eyes because I want to focus here. Because I believe very strongly that there are some people here this morning who've had some dreams shattered. Maybe, as I was talking about, maybe it's to deal with relationships. You had an idea of a relationship or maybe a financial. Maybe God has placed a ministry in your heart. Maybe God has asked you to do something really amazing, but, but, but because of circumstances or situations, it, it just hasn't come to pass. And I want to be encouraging to you this morning. And I want you to know, and I want you to hear me in this. God has not forgotten you. God has not left you. God knows the plans that he has for you. God knows the visions that he's placed in you. God knows the dreams that he's given you. But hear me here. God will probably not do it the way you think. And in that, that is even a blessing. Because God knows what you need. God knows when you need it. And God will bring forth those dreams and those visions in the proper time. But hear me, you're not alone. You may feel like you're in the prison. You may be feeling like you woke up this morning on a dirt floor with a rat or a scorpion running across your toe. But hear me, you have not been left. You are not alone. And God can take you even today from where you're at to the palace in a moment. God can take those dreams and those visions and put them all back together again. Let's trust the dream giver to bring forth the dreams in our hearts and let's trust that the dream he brings forth hear me here will be better than any dream we could dream on our own that is something to hold on to that is something to, to grasp a hold of but I know, I know from the people that are, with the number of people that are here and the people that are watching online, there are people who are literally, it feels like you are just holding your dreams in pieces in your hands. You say, Aaron, what do I do? What do I do with this broken, broken, shattered dream? It's really simple, and I'm not gonna make it hard because it doesn't need to be hard. It's real simple. You give it to the God who is the only one who can put all the pieces back together. You stop carrying around your brokenness. And instead, you let your Father who loves you, who put those things in you, that forms you in your mother's womb, to in His timing, in His way, to make something beautiful 
out of your shattered dreams. At the end of the story, Joseph is second in command of all of Egypt. And because of what he's done, basically the whole world is starving except for Egypt. So his brothers, the guys that sold him into slavery, they come to Egypt looking for food. They don't even recognize him. To make a long story short, at the very end of the story, they're scared. They know, they go, oh man, Joseph's going to take us out. Joseph's going to destroy us. Joseph's going to kill us. He's going to pay us back for all the horrible things we did to him. And Joseph's response to them is this. He says, although you meant this for harm, although you were a part of breaking those dreams and shattering them into a thousand pieces, although you were a part of that, my God put them all together together and did something beautiful and good and God can still do that in your life it doesn't matter how broken your pieces are and he wants to do it for you today but we got to give him the dreams we got to give him the pieces and let him put them together again so father we come to you right now and father right now for those that are experiencing that brokenness for those that had oh it's god i'm i'm gonna have this family and it's gonna be this way and it didn't work out for those that oh i'm gonna get this job and and it's gonna be great and i'm gonna do this i'm gonna enjoy that and it just didn't work out god for whatever whatever the broken dream is father we as your children hand you back what is already yours anyway and we say god God, you put them together in your way, in your time, in your purposes. We give them to you. We release our dreams to the only person who can accomplish them in the way and in the scope that you desire. God, you haven't left us. We're not alone. Be with us so close right now, God. We love you and we thank you. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus. Runs out on me. Your love never fails. 
you never run out you never give up on us you just love us and love us and love us you bring those dreams you bring those visions and God we will we will let you work and let you do what only you can do so father we love you this morning we thank you for this moment and this time we turn to you, we look to you, because you are all that we need. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope to see you on Wednesday for prayer at 7 o'clock. For those who are online, we love you, we miss you. We hope you see you soon. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.